Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I think we wanted to start with, this is now a couple of weeks old, this news, maybe a month, I'm not sure. Yeah. But Kathy. Well, at least since it's been solidified, because there were rumors going around that Nev uh, Campbell would not return for Scream 6. So 5 is coming out later this year or early 2023. I think so. And they're already, you know, talking about Scream 6 because the franchise is amazing. However... Nev has confirmed that she will not be returning for Scream 6. And as much as I'm sad to hear that, I support her decision for the reason that she has given so much to this franchise. She's the final girl. She's the poster child. She's the one that's really carried this franchise. And so this is a quote out of an article from Bloody Disgusting or an interview She says, as a woman, I've had to work extremely hard in my career to establish my value, especially when it comes to Scream. I felt the offer that was presented to me did not equate to the value I have brought to the franchise. It's been a very difficult decision to move on. To all my Scream fans, I love you. You've always been so incredibly supportive to me. I'm forever grateful to you and to what this franchise has given me over the past 25 years. And there's a lot more in this article that people can look up, but, and she is, you know, Shannon and I met her briefly and I've met her once before and she is very kind, at least just from the brief interactions I've had with yeah, her. She's professional. So she's very professional. Yeah, mm-hmm. Good you know, to the fans. Obviously we don't know her personally, but, and I do feel that she uh, has been great to the fans and, and she, you know, it is harder for a woman. We, we've seen this with, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween and how they finally paid her enough to come back. I also think with Jamie Lee Curtis, she wanted to get away from horror for a while, but I don't know. So thoughts, Shannon? Well, I have a couple of quotes from some other people. So since that announcement was made, Matthew Lillard and Jamie Kennedy who have come out and made statements about this as well in support of Nev. And so like, Lillard says, you know, did Tom Cruise take less money for Top Gun Maverick? Right. right. And he goes, fuck no, dude. <laughs> so why is a woman supposed to take less? Why wouldn't you pay her more as the series goes on? Was Scream 5 a hit or not a hit? It was a smash hit. Did they make a shit ton of money? Yes. I love Lillard. Yeah. Honestly. Because, yeah. you know, he's like, no bullshit. Right. He's like, fuck no, dude. Tom Cruise doesn't take less money for Maverick. He's making twice as much, probably. And let's be real. Maverick is nothing compared to the, I mean, I, I'm, I understand it's a very good film, but let's be real. Like there's been a huge scream has multiple films. You know, he sat on top gun for X amount of decades and now came back and is being paid a lot of money to do it. Mission impossible is probably a better analogy for him to make because there's like a whole franchise, but also Jamie Kennedy has also spoken about how it's like Sidney Prescott. This is the quote. Sydney Prescott is the center of Scream. Mm-hmm. Nev Campbell is the face of Scream. Ghostface chasing her throughout the whole franchise. Nev is the final girl. Yes. It's crazy that people behind the scenes are not paying the money to literally the face of the franchise. It's people who weren't involved from the get-go. This is everything that's wrong with the business. So they're very they're very much in support of her joining and they would love for her to be a part of it if, you know, they can like work out their issues. You never know. Mm-hmm. You never know. So it, it, a, a Scream movie, oh, there's another quote here, oh, by David Arquette. A Scream movie without Sydney is kind of unfortunate, but I understand her decision. It's all a business in a way. They have to balance all these elements to fit a budget and produce a film. I get it. She's still alive. She can absolutely be in the future ones, but I think it's up to fans to call for that in the future. And it's sudden, and it's a, it's he's kind of going like, I understand that there's a business, but this is really sudden and I completely respect her decision. So, mm-hmm. and I think what, what we'll end up seeing is what we saw with Halloween where for, although three doesn't have anything to do with the franchise, let's go four, five, six, sure. very different audience, people who were not as attached because now, you know, we've had, we'll have now three, four and no, four, five, four and five out, which are younger audiences that were not, I mean, they were either children or not even born when the original Scream came out. So although Sydney is a big character, it's very different than our 
remembrance of the original film. So I think we, we will see a very different audience catered to any Scream films that don't have her in it. And then if she does return, then all of us OGs come back in appreciation because that, that's exactly what happened with Halloween. I well, here's Here's my guess, and this is literally just me pontificating, but my guess is they'll do Scream 6 without her. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see how that goes for them. Yeah. And then maybe they bring her back. Yeah. Because it just, it may or may not be as successful. If there's mark, if they're marketing to a whole different audience, they might be just fine. Like yeah. the, the younger people might not care. Right. About the, the lineage. We'll just see, but they absolutely might care. Cause I mean, horror fans care. I don't know that the general public cares so much. But you saw her line for signatures and not everybody was in their forties. No, 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 Nev. Uh, so we went to Monster Palooza, which we're going to do a whole how to do Monster Palooza more effectively or most effectively for our Patreon audience. Like we'll do a mini cast. But for the purposes of this discussion, I would say they were all at Monster Palooza doing signatures. There were tons of celebrities there, but a lot of screen people Jamie Kennedy, Matthew Lillard, Skeet. Uh, <laughs> Skeet Ulrich and Nev Campbell were all four there. And honestly, Nev was, her line was just as big, if not bigger than Matthew Lillard, and than Skeet, Matthew Lillard, yeah. mm-hmm. who is often the most popular mm-hmm. line and the longest line or whatever. Him and Nev are the two people that people wanted, really, really, really wanted to see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We will see. I know that go. I know that Scream Six is going to take place in New York City. They also announced oh, they're that. moving it. Okay. Yeah, they're taking um, it. Leaves Woodsboro. It says after bloody, five. Bloody disgusting. Can confirm a handful of reports that Scream Six, or as I like to call it, Scream Six Six Six, says the author. <laughs> Lame. Will be will be taking place in New York City. So the official plot description sort of teases the Scream saga continues with the four survivors of the Ghostface killings as they leave Woodsboro behind and start a new fresh chapter. So okay. it, it's it's going somewhere else. Like Friday the 13th, Jason takes Manhattan. Ghostface <laughs> like takes, I don't know, the, I don't know. <laughs> meat, the meat cutting district or whatever it's I called. mean I think they've locked in Courtney Cox because all the articles say that she'll be back as Gail Weathers they, they gotta so. have somebody well and Hayden you know Hayden was really great in three in four and four excuse mm-hmm. me you know they're bringing her back for five so I think she may always also be they're banking on it yeah they're trying to you know but that's part of what was happening with Nev like they're right. trying to replace her with young people Boo, as much as I love Hayden, sorry. Oh, yeah, no, it's nothing against anyone else. No. It's literally advocacy There's for... There's one Sydney Prescott. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I have some exciting news for people who had Saturday morning cartoons in the 80s that Please. they loved so much. Amazing. The Ghostbusters animated series is coming back. And I remember watching this as a kid and it's in development through Netflix. And so what happened is after the success of, of the success of their live action features afterlife, Mm -hmm. they started to look at, Hmm, remember back in the eighties when we had the, the cartoon yet they're going to be remaking that. Oh, and I'm very excited for that. So it, it ran from 1986 to 1991. Okay. And so now they're recreating it for Netflix. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. I think it's kind of cool because it was a it was a really successful cartoon back in the days. And I remember eating cereal on Saturday mornings, watching Ghostbusters, and now they're making it again. That's amazing. Yeah. That's exciting. And I'm sorry, did you mention when or where? when it comes out? Yeah. Or uh, I where think we it's, would watch it. Well, Netflix. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm not sure the, the release date though. Okay. Keep that on your radar, people. I, as I have been doing before we get to the horror facts with Kath, I would very much like to share with you this story. Philadelphia police looking for alleged Swiss cheese pervert. Oh. Yeah, you're welcome. Pervert. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the unexpected headline of the week in this paper is what it's called. So there is a follow. There's a couple follow ups to this, but I will just start at the beginning. Have you seen this man? 
question mark fat white dude in a car with his pants down doing things with swiss cheese oh no the visual yeah the holes so the mayfair town watches facebook page originally posted good morning mayfair please be aware of the swiss cheese pervert this individual is driving around surrounding communities and exposes himself to women he offers them money to watch him put swiss cheese on his privates he is white oh stop it <laughs> He is a white, heavyset male, 40 to 50 years old. He drives a newer model silver sedan. He was also spotted in a black newer model sedan. If you see this guy, don't confront him. Get his plate number and call 911 immediately. We have passed all the information on to the PD. So in case you missed any of that, this man is accused of not only showing women his junk, but also bringing some Swiss cheese along for the ride. Okay. So oh, anyway. Oh, God. Ah, well, how do you, what did you, where did you find this? Pepper. Of course. But seriously, if you know this guy, call police, blah, blah, blah. So then they updated it. We've been hearing reports that the Swiss cheese pervert has been around for some time, (laughs) apparently, on dating sites like OkCupid. The Daily News spoke with Bridesburg It's just him with a piece of cheese on the, uh, on the, on the app. An OkCupid user named Gabby Chest who told the paper that the Swiss cheese pervert said he was quote unquote looking for someone to perform masturbation on him with cheese. Okay. So now it's, (laughs) now it's both parties. Okay. So then the daily news also published the following excerpt from a message allegedly sent by the Swiss cheese pervert to this, to this woman. I started to compare girls to cheese due to their milky complexions. Oh my God. Girls are soft, smooth feeling and tend to like dairy products more. That and typical advertising always uses a girl to advertise dairy products. So cheese is what I started to use as a replacement for having sex with ladies. So police continue to investigate, etc. And then just the other day, as I follow the story, the update is that the Swiss cheese pervert suspect, Chris Pagano, has been arrested. So there is no longer the Swiss cheese pervert in this area, but he was arrested. You can rest easy that he's been arrested six days after. Actually, it's just started. um, They broke the story. And then five days after, you know, what I was just talking about, they were. Pepper, is this payback for you being upset about me having the horror fact around planes (laughs) crashing? I don't know. I I think we just, (laughs) I think we just. We just taught, I mean, I think we, that we canceled that out. <laughs> no, no, it's, yeah, no. She's going to keep giving me stories. So there's that. Anyway, in a radical shift of mood, not really. <laughs> oh, the next thing we'd like to do is a little thing that we like to call. Cool. My name is Turnick. Is that my song? Mm. <laughs> Thank you. You ready? I'm so I re- ready. I really want you to. I'm going to give you a little feedback. Mm. I want you to start trying. Are you kidding me? Shut <laughs> like, up. Like even if you don't You're, know this it, is, think this of is something ridiculous. For me telling her I wanted variety in the song. <laughs> I mean, just write something. Don't say I don't know. Right? <laughs> even if it's outrageous. <laughs> Okay, number one. I got some shit from patrons like, hey, why didn't you know that? It's like, guys, the whole point is I don't know trivia. I know. You got to take a guess, though. (laughs) There are more than 12,000 species of ants, all being as old as dinosaurs. How much can one ant lift on its own? An ant can't climb a rubber tree plant because he's got high. I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I'm not even repeating it. Okay, then I won't be able to guess. <laughs> How much can an ant lift on its own? Got it. Number two, in what Stephen King horror film does he pay homage to his book, It, by showcasing a highway sign, Dairy, 20 Miles? Okay. Number three, what do the zombies represent in Train to Busan? Okay. Number four, this 1981 horror film starring Jason Alexander and also launched the Weinstein brothers' career 
The movie is based on a campfire story turned down. Oh, sorry. The movie is based on a campfire story. Tom Savini turned it down to do Friday the 13th part two. To work, uh, I'm going to read that again. This 1981 horror film starring Jason Alexander and launched the Weinstein brothers career is based on a campfire story. Tom Savini turned down Friday the 13th part two to work on this film. Got it. I don't know if I got it, but you got it. Nobody got that. (laughs) (laughs) Number five. How this one's for pepper. Oh, maybe we aren't even anymore. How long do oxygen masks last on planes? Okay. Those are the questions people. I will give you guesses later. <laughs> All right. We will be back uh, in a moment. What are, what we are doing today is a follow-up to our Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard discussion, mostly of the expert witnesses that are happening because that's sort of Kathy's, uh, that's not sort of, it's Kathy's wheelhouse. And so we're going to do a follow-up because now the sentence has been handed down, as you all know, and there's a whole second half of the trial that we didn't talk about. So we will be right back to discuss that. Everybody, we are back. Let's talk about Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard and their trial. Uh, I did want to say that the seven-person civil jury, this has been many weeks, but not everybody follows these kinds of cases. So they found in favor of Johnny Depp in his court case, basically. They found that he was on the in the right on all three counts brought by his legal team, awarding him $15 million in compensation. And then Heard's countersuit that she filed was successful on one count and she was awarded $2 million. So that's basically, mm-hmm. it's the very bottom line. And then of course you can get into a whole lot of minutia and there's an appeal and they're going to, you know, there's all this talk of like, they're going to appeal and blah, 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 but we're not getting into any of that. I did want to hand the floor a little bit to Kathy because she provides expert testimony as part of her many duties in our industry. And I wanted her to, I specifically <laughs> asked her to talk about, and she was like, that's what I want to talk about. So we were just on the same page. Dr. David Spiegel, who was the, who was Amber Heard's expert witness psychiatrist that came on in the second portion of the trial. I mean, I not mean, only, not only like an, like a charismatic quirky guy, yeah, with like weird facial grimaces. And, yeah, yeah, just like you know, beyond beyond, beyond the obvious low hanging fruit that yeah, we could go to. I mean, exactly. he looked like the mad scientist. Some people compared him to Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of hazing going on. So let's remove that. Let's remove the the negative. You know, the aesthetics, yes. if you please. Although I have to say that that is something that does get considered is how you show up, how you look, how you deliver. Yes. Um, So in some ways, I think we do have to mention it uh, because our job as experts when we um, go on to the stand is is to portray a very professional and unbiased uh, opinion based on the facts that we've read and the interpretation of those facts in conjunction with research. Well, it's just like, it's just like, so I would just liken it from out here you know, I'm not exactly objective. I do have some experience in this area, but it's mm-hmm. like, just like Johnny Depp wears a suit every day. He may wear his, all of his big rings, but mm-hmm. he brushes his hair and, and Amber right. gets dressed in like a nicer suit or dress and puts her hair back and looks demure. And uh, Dr. Shannon Curry, although an objectively gorgeous woman, if you see her out in the world or in she really her is. media, sh- she arrives on the stand in a suit with her hair pulled back and her glasses on because 
our culture doesn't take beauty seriously in the smarts department. So everybody's valid and legitimate and doing all that, but everybody's putting on the appropriate wear or whatever for the case, right? And and I think what you're saying is Dr. David Spiegel, um, he wore a suit. I mean, he was he was groomed and every, well, mostly, but like that that is a part of how you are judged. Like if you were to mm-hmm. show up in your horror T-shirt and jeans like you did today to mm-hmm. recording, um, not so much. No, I mean all my tattoos are covered. Right. I'm in a go. suit. I'm in heels. I'm, I mean every mm-hmm. if it's I mean if it's online, then I might have like sweats from the your hair is brushed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, um, just just our demeanor. So like we saw with Shannon, with Dr. Curry, we saw that at times she was clearly getting um, frustrated with some of the questions. And, and although I think it's okay to have a level of that, cause I certainly do when I feel like I'm being patronized or I'm feel like, you know, they're doing intentional stuff to throw you off. She still stayed very professional in my opinion, because I know that the stress of being on that stand. And I know when they're doing things to intentionally provoke you. And she had very human responses in a lot of her testimony, but she also remained very professional. And I would even reframe that the frustration was more of an assertiveness to say, no, I'm sorry, you're wrong. And I've done that before. I w- I've said, no, I, I actually, I disagree with what you're saying right, right now. And, and, and I think you have to. And before you go any further and try to discredit me, I'm going to break this down as to yeah. why you're Let's wrong. Let's just stop you right there. <laughs> yeah, and I've had yeah. to do that. And especially as a woman, because a lot of times, although we did have female attorneys in this, a lot of times they are male. And it's like, whoa, no, don't steamroll over my... So I saw some of that with her that I think was appropriate. Here's the difference. First of all, Dr. David Spiegel is a licensed psychiatrist. He's an MD, so he's not a psychologist, okay? He's not a, and, and the biggest difference between that is an, uh, psychiatrists are mostly trained from a biology background um, that is taught to study the brain's reactions to, you know, um, whether it's neurologic, neurotropic, uh, psychotropic medication, which has to do with medication people take for mental health. It studies the neural structure of the brain and its relationship to psychology, but they don't have as much of, when they go to school, they don't get the heavy psychological training that a psychologist or a licensed clinician like Shannon um, would get. These are people who are, are and th- this is important because people confuse the two. All the time. And and I know psychiatrists that have, have double degrees That's and have right. taken extra training. So just... If you have a psychiatrist or you're looking at something, just look at the credentials and you can see. It's it, it, exactly. And some psychiatrists are wonderful and really work from the psychology of things. And I know a handful in my in my network who I refer out to because of that. Me too. But the majority of them are medical doctors that just happen to work with the brain. And so people think that they have all this psychological training. In fact, I was, I was following some Twitter stuff uh, and someone had had bashed um, mm. Mary Trump on making a, a, a comment about antisocial personality disorder. And someone, some, I don't know who they were, said, you know, you know, calm down. You're a psychologist. You're not a psychiatrist. How can you make that opinion? And so, no, it was, it was about, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. It was about complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And a bunch of us went back and said, actually, she would be the one that would do that. <laughs> yeah. Not the psych- a psychiatrist would know clearly nothing about CPTSD. Right. So there's a lot of misinformation. So why is this relevant? Because he's not, his mental health comes across, he comes across as quirky. He comes across as, um, just whether this is true or not, argumentative, he postures himself. He's very odd. He, um, I don't know how mentally stable he is not speaking clinically here, but this is not someone who has, you know, a deep psychological background. He's an MD. So let's, let's talk about that. Secondly, uh, I don't even know if this man has ever been an expert witness before, because I can tell you right now, if he has been, I don't know how he was hired again. And I also don't understand why this was who Amber Heard's attorneys thought was the best that they could get. And my guess would be because the majority of people had already watched this trial and recognized that there there wasn't a lot on Heard's side that they could 
defend any longer. And so when that is the case, then you're going to find people like Dr. Spiegel, who has one star when you go to his profile, like on Yelp or whatever, who probably said, sure, if you pay me enough, I'll say whatever. Because any, any respectable psychiatrist at this point in the trial, based on everything that I watched, I don't know what they could have said that would have, that would have contradicted all of the stuff that came from Johnny's side. So Spiegel came off as very um, aggressive. The comments that he was making, first of all, he never directly assessed Johnny Depp. That in itself is not a problem. There are times where I come on as an expert and I haven't directly assessed the person. And but they I've, address that in the cross-examination. But the problem is, is he starts to state that his assessment of Johnny Depp is by watching like TMZ and, and movies that he had been in and, and being able to speak about Johnny's processing speed based on interviews and things like that. That's where I said, okay, you are so non-credible. Well, and so remember when we talked about it, I'll just throw it out there. If you haven't listened to the first episode we did on this, we talked about it in this context. If you've watched Johnny Depp over the years, you will see his rate of speech has not changed from when he was 20 to now when he's 58 in the sense that, well, maybe not 20, but 30 to 58. And it has, it's a little bit slower, but it's like he has always had a mindful kind of slow, thoughtful. It's kind of one of his actor tropes is like Mm -hmm. this thoughtful kind of waiting and and really picking and choosing his words he's always had that but we would have to do a full we would have had to have done a full battery of tests when he was 30 and do a full battery of tests now to see if that baseline has changed and when we talked about it in the episode we we mentioned the fact of his slow speech and that people were reacting to it but what we said was that's what we know of him. It's a baseline. It's not necessarily a processing speed thing. That's we didn't right. even talk about processing no. speed because we wouldn't be able to no. <laughs> because we haven't assessed him and done the proper test. That's right. We would have to do a waste and all of the other tests. So he was talking about things and linking that to, to characters. And, and like Shannon saying, when you are making a comment about somebody's processing speed and you are on the stand you better have some numbers from some assessment to be able to make a definitive uh, comment. You know, he was also known to just make some really unprofessional comments about Johnny Depp. It seemed like he just had a lot of animosity towards him and that he he was pay, paid off. He was paid to do that. Yeah, right? and like, it, so. it, it just makes her case even weaker. And, yeah, that's you know, the unfortunate part because I do want everybody to get a fair shake. Yeah. No matter her personality or the issues between them, I want each case to be strong it was uh it was the final nail in her side i think yeah i will i want to add just a couple more things before we go on to the next piece of this that we wanted to address today um from the perspective of an onlooker and just somebody who was watching him i want to say this because many of you might have just been that I found him highly entertaining. <laughs> oh, he was. So I found him highly entertaining. I was a little, of course, you get a little bit agitated when people are super argumentative. But for some reason, when he was being cross-examined, because he was even kind of argumentative with his own side, like with Amber's yeah, questions. He was. But then, of course, once he was being cross-examined, he got even more argumentative and kept clarifying and clarifying and clarifying. And as Kathy said, like, you do have to do a certain amount of that. But he would do it on every single question, and then he would say again, again, like being very aggressive. Now, mm-hmm. normally, that is the purview of lawyers. So in my little head watching the TV show that was this trial, I was like, you get him, Doc, because I was thinking like, okay, let's go. Let's get it on, because usually lawyers are the one being snarky mm-hmm. and assumptive and or if that's a word or not and all of those things and they're just kind of jerks like watching this trial just reminded me of what it was like to watch OJ oh, sure. and all the other trials is like oh the lawyers end up just being such jerks and that's their job to throw you to throw people off especially in cross-examination but so at first i was like yeah throw down let's see who can be like more aggressive but it was definitely like a swinging penis fight obviously it was but i also want to say that when i was watching about halfway through so so halfway through his um his testimony johnny depp for about half the first half of it was 
busying himself with paper. I don't know if he's like drawing or writing or whatever. They obviously gave him some, <laughs> some told him to like, don't look at this guy, you know, just doodle. Because he's going to testify all about how you're not organized and you can't stay focused. So what we want you to do, I'm imagining this was the advice. What we would like you to do is sit there and be focused on the paper and do stuff. Because... You're, they're going to be hearing testimony about how you can't focus and la 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 because of your addiction, et cetera, and what it's done to your brain. So we're going to have you sit for an hour and focus on your papers and look real focused so that like the a jury has got to this disconnect. And then about halfway through, Johnny just started watching. So then the other half of his testimony on cross-examination, you're allowed to look at the guy. So then Johnny sits back and he's watching the guy. And it just made me laugh because he was super amused by him. Like he was laughing. He would like look at him and like question and look at him. But you could tell there was this underlying smile. Like, did you see Vasquez? So, like, did, did you see Vasquez? Well, she and like, I'm it. like, you're, this guy is going to turn up in one of Johnny's roles. He's oh. going to use him as a case. Because oh, I could see Johnny just studying the guys. It's like, wow, this guy is super interesting. And then, and then about, you know, and then about halfway through the, the cost examination, Johnny just started laughing at him all the time. I, and I just found that really amusing because that's what I was doing. I found it so amusing as an onlooker. It was so uncomfortable. And then the best is when they pan over and Vasquez, Johnny's one of Johnny's attorneys, she, she puts her head down and she is dying <laughs> she's dying because i cannot He's imagine hilarious i mean even the people sitting in the courtroom are losing it it's, at this point when they funny. pan back he's funny it's really funny it's anyway funny. he was so back uh, to the he was part. not what you do when okay. you testify no um and the best i i'll but leave Kathy, it it was on tv i'll leave it at this <laughs> this was the best part is when okay. they ask him a question and he looks it was a question about whether he had seen Charlie in the chocolate factory or something, he looks over at the judge. He goes, do I have to answer that? And she's like, yes, you have to answer the questions. Yeah. yeah about halfway through in the cross examination of the judge, you can hear, she keeps going, just answer the question. Just questions. answer the question. Just answer the question. Oh my you have God. to answer the question. <laughs> it was too, anyway, it was a sitcom. Yes. So I also think that we should talk about, what this has done in the culture at large, because mm -hmm. it's very much affecting there. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many op-eds there are yeah. on the outcome of this trial. And half of them are from people who support the me too movement mm -hmm. talking about how this trial has set them back or something or other. Do you have a thought about that? Uh, yeah, I do. So, you know, I've mentioned on the show before that a lot of the work that I do is in going into family court systems and um, protecting, trying to help protect survivors of abuse and their children from abusive exes. And I would say nine times out of 10, it is the female, if we're going binary, the female is the victim and the, the perpetrator is male. However, we clearly see that men can be victims, but due to just the power dynamics of society, men tend to be more often in positions where they can be the ones who are coercively controlling and have the financial resources and all of that. So they end up being, uh, and they have the political power and X, Y, and Z. So this was um, a really difficult case for me to watch because I saw a lot of the Me Too movement trying to suggest that once again, um, you know, the, the, the country had failed in recognizing the abuser and, uh, that, that women again were getting, um, you know, the, the short end of the deal and that, that Amber wasn't no, no pun intended. Amber was not heard. <laughs> and, um, and then on the flip side of that, we would get, uh, what, what people are referring to as the anti me movement, of uh, and I think this is where it really hurt people, suggesting that you know, young men are now saying, "Let this be a lesson that women are crazy and they accuse and men are not being abusive and they're full of shit." So here's my opinion: both sides are wrong, and this is this is just my opinion. Well, that's what we're doing, op eds, right? right? <laughs> okay, so my my opinion is that justice was served in the sense that I do believe that in this circumstance, I don't believe that there, if we're going based on evidence, and that is my job as a forensic psychologist, I do not believe that there was enough there to believe that Amber did not partake and instigate 
a lot of these situations that led to Johnny either reacting, mitigating, or, um, you know, walking away from the abuse. So in my opinion, justice was served because I do believe that Johnny was the, the victim. Although Amber, although he is unhealthy and the man needs help and he's a substance abuser and everything that we talked about in part one, I do believe that justice was served in the sense that many people spoke to both their characters and their history and their trajectory, which is what we do. And not one person in his history, they couldn't even, not even an Amber side, could they find someone to testify to but Johnny being history. this history of, of, of an abuser. In addition to that, the anti-me movement people that are saying, let this be da-da-da, in some ways I feel like this was a great political move to have a case where we have an outlier, meaning that we found one woman who was partaking and equally, if not more responsible for this situation. And we've now used her as the poster child of all other women survivors as being liars. So it has set women back and it sent the Me Too movement back 100%, but not for the reason that the Me Too movement is saying so. Yeah. It's kind of like you've set her up as your poster child right now. But I'm not sure you wanted this particular person in this particular case as your poster child for the me too's for the anti me too's they were it was perfect it's perfect because they look like crazy liars Mm -hmm. women look women it it it, we're all full of shit it sets us back yes we all look like we have a cluster b personality disorder and we lie and we incite men we're gold diggers we use whatever it is yeah Mm -hmm. the way they painted her now do i think that she's exactly the the way she was painted no of course no of course not i think she has i think if i were to sit down and talk to her i would find all the nuance i would have a lot of empathy there'd be all of that of course i don't deny that but but uh, it's bad and her team was bad this whole thing of like all the op-eds have something around like this sets the Me Too movement back 20 years. I see that a lot. I see, um, you know, Amber basically, quote unquote, losing is means, you know, the patriarchy and yada, yada. And that's yada. the overcorrection, in and my it's opinion. Like, wow, that's yeah. such a, that's such Because a where vast. in this are we recognizing then that men can be victims, you know? For sure. And I don't think even in our first discussion of this, we ne- we have never said that they bo- both weren't culpable in the demise of their relationship right. and the volatility and the violence and all of the different things that were happening in their relationship. We, we broke it down in the last episode with where those two sets of personality traits, what we've witnessed or what we heard in the testimonies, and then we extrapolated our own opinion from it. What we saw was this like oil and water. Like that yeah. was never going to be, we understand why they're attracted to each other right. and also why it was always going to be very chaotic. Right. But this case was about slander, right? It was. So. And I also, wa- I just want to add too that I think in the work that I do, if I am, if I am blind to the fact that a man can be a victim, then my credibility at vetting my female clients who are actually survivors is completely biased and unprofessional and and jeopardized absolutely because if i just say well she's a woman therefore she's the victim first of all that's insulting yeah and secondly it it goes against the science and the research and the and everything that we use to protect women so if we if if it's as simple as well women are always the victims and men are always the perpetrators why even have a trial (laughs) i know so for me, it actually sets women back because there's a big amount of overcorrecting that's happening on the Me Too side right now. And it, that to me is really hurting women because the, every time Me Too opens their mouth, now they look uncredible because everyone's looking at them going, well, if that's what you're about and that's what you're believing, then you're not an organization that's very credible. No. So I guess I could agree that it's also, it's definitely distracted 
yeah, the quote unquote movement and all of that. It's distracted the ideals of the Me Too movement. It has. And it's, a, it's, it has to be so triggering for off, people. Yeah, of course. And it's like it's off down another road at the moment. And and so many people who have been through difficult things that fall into the realm of what Me Too is fighting for mm-hmm. are are most likely looking at, looking to vilify someone like Johnny Depp. Yeah. And are not feeling good about him no matter what the outcome of the trial was. You know, I realized that in some ways he looks empathetic, but I mean, there was lots of everything in his life was in their relationship, not everything in his life. And most of the negative pieces of their relationship were exposed. Yeah. And he's lost a lot of popularity since the verdict. You bet. And now, and now we have the things after the verdict where she's going to appeal apparently. And you know, there's all this news around, well, Johnny's telling her that she doesn't have to pay the money if she just drops the whole thing right now. Like he's mm-hmm. just ready to move on and blah, blah, blah. And, and I don't know if any of that's true. And I don't know the, the accuracy of the reporters that are reporting those things. Cause I'm not doing the research, but it, it, mm-hmm. it goes on. So, yeah, but yeah, we just wanted to wrap up some of our thoughts because now the trial's over and we'll see if there's an appeal or something or something else happens or this leads into something else. We'll be back. But for now, I'm ready to leave it behind. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, we're good. So we'll be right back in the next segment. We're going to talk books and movies and, you know, other stuff. So we'll be right back. Welcome back. We have some movies and stuff to talk about. I actually have a series to talk about. So why don't you start with one of your movies, Kathy? I saw the new Jurassic Park. (laughs) You saw it in the theater. I did. 3D. Oh, how was that? I thought it was so much fun. So a lot of people didn't even know there was a Jurassic Park out. It's (laughs) called Dominion. I wonder why that would be. I don't know. I I don't think it's it's really hasn't gotten a lot of. I haven't seen a lot of. I've seen more press around Maverick. Anyway, it's um, great for so many reasons, but it also has Laura Dern back, Jeff Goldblum back, Sam Neill back, Bryce Dallas Howard's in it, Chris Pratt is in it. Um, So the future of mankind hangs in the balance as humans and dinosaurs coexist, following the destruction of uh, Ila Nublar, which is where they you know had the original Jurassic Park. And so what's so cool about this is one, you get all of the nostalgia of Ellie and and Dr. Ian Malcolm and Alan Grant being back and all of that chemistry. And um, those of us that went and saw, I remember seeing the original in the theater. So all of that is really cool. And then Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard also are really fantastic in this. The, how character driven it is on top of the action scenes on top of the effects. It was over two hours and I don't really do those anymore. And it was so much fun. That's how I felt about Maverick is that yeah. it was like two hours and 20 minutes, but I didn't really know because it was really That's good. That's how this was. Good. And uh, even the dinosaurs were really the, the character they had like four or five that you were like got to know mm-hmm. and there's two raptors blue and and her baby beta and um what you find out is like chris pratt part of his work in the past x amount of years is he's been a raptor trainer oh gotcha so he you know they're living in like this woodsy home and um anytime like blue comes close to the family chris pratt's able to be like okay don't come near my kid, blah, blah, blah. And he like has this respectful like relationship with nature. Yeah. But they become part of nature. Uh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, they're trying to get the ones who can no longer defend themselves into a conservation so people stop killing them. Mm-hmm. And it, it is like, for it being what, number four or five or whatever, it ended up being a really cool story. Awesome. Yeah. I look forward to seeing it. 
that is really something that I would prefer to see in the theater. Totally. I just don't, I just don't know if I'm going to get around to it mm-hmm. or not before it leaves, but I... That... Or just watch it on like really loud surround sound. Yeah, I have a pretty big television yeah. in the living room, so we could just try that. Yeah, and turn the lights <laughs> off and it'll work. Yeah. the sound effects are awesome in and this. And squint my eyes. No. Um, <laughs> right. So I watched a movie called Death Note. It's from 2017, actually. Sounds familiar. Well, it was a Japanese manga series. Nope. <laughs> not familiar so it's this is now the american movie version basically i i have to say it's it's one of those odd ones where i mean honestly the original japanese version of this movie because of course the japanese made a movie of their own manga and then now we've made the american version in 2017 a young man comes to possess a supernatural notebook the death note that grants him the power to kill any person simply by writing down their name on the pages. Cause we want to give that to a teenager. <laughs> he then decides to use the notebook to kill criminals and change the world. But an enigmatic detective attempts to track him down and, and end his reign of terror. So yes, that is the overarching story, so to speak. And you can imagine that part's not that original <laughs> because you can imagine what happens with a male teenager in possession of that kind of power. It goes a little awry as you might imagine. So, however, <laughs> if you look at the movie cover of this, it's of a creature. The part that that description doesn't even address, and this is directed by Adam Weingard, Wingard, Wingard, Jesus. Wow is that Willem Dafoe is in this movie and Willem Dafoe is the creature that you will see. And he has discussions with this creature and you are, if you don't know anything about the story, one would assume that, you know, it's the devil. And so the devil is giving you this, this granting you this power and whatever, but he is this creature that's like a person and he's got, but he's got spiky spines all over him and he's an actual creature that like the guy talks to. So that's sort of fun. Kind of William, William, Willem Dafoe's laugh in this is like the best part of this yeah, movie. He's, such, he's really cool. He's well, and he plays this creature, right? And you don't know it's him except you do because everybody recognizes Willem Dafoe's voice if you're mm-hmm. into movies. Mm-hmm. So you recognize his voice and, and he's basically the one kind of goading mm-hmm. this kid on and talking to him about the book and the different rules and stuff. And I always kind of like a movie that takes kind of takes the piss out of creatures in the yeah. sense that this creature like sits around and has breakfast and talks to him and oh, stuff. That's hilarious. And, but then the rest of the movie is quite serious killing people, but he starts off by killing bad people. So okay. you're like, okay, you're kind of yeah. on board and then things go awry. But, uh, I saw pictures. I haven't seen the original Japanese of this, but I saw pictures of the creature and, the, and it's much weirder, of course. <laughs> But I like the creature that we that we brought to it because I like Willem Dafoe. Anyway, awesome. yeah, it, he plays a really good villain. Yes, for sure. And it's not something that I would watch again necessarily, okay. but I but I enjoyed it for the most part. Awesome. So I've been trying to keep up with uh, some of the queer horror being Pride Month, and I watched a movie called Bit that came out in 2020, uh, directed by Brad Michael Elmore, and also stars a transgender actress nicole mains who's really great in it a transgender teenage girl fights to survive after she falls in with four queer feminist vampires so a little bit more about the film a vampire woman takes her human boyfriend to her home explaining to him how vampires operate planning to start a new life with him the vampire woman turns her boyfriend into a vampire as well however they are attacked by the woman's all-female coven led by their matriarch duke duke kills the man in front of his lover stating her decree they won't have men in their ranks before looking the woman locking the woman away as punishment so it has a, a few different themes going on I thought this was a lot of fun and it had some really powerful messages. It's queer film. It's a feminist film. One of the lines in the movie is, you know, never, never turn a man, meaning never turn a man into a vampire. They can't handle power. Look at what they've done with it. And so it ends up being, you know, it's very much a revenge fantasy where the, the vampires of the world are extinguishing all of the, the men. So they are not turned. And you find out that Duke Uh, The reason for her animosity is that when she was turned, she was turned by a male vampire who ended up turning her 
in a way that she lost herself. There's so many metaphors in this film. So she lost herself and her identity and became a slave to him. And when she came to, um, she ends up killing him and sort of taking over that rank. And from there forward, she, you know, just makes this really bold statement and, and, you know, swears that she will never allow a man to get that much power again. And so it really, the film is about what, what it would mean if men had to walk in fear the same way that women have like, and she even says something in the film, like I want it to, I I want men to feel what it's like to be scared to jog at night, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's a lot of that, but it's not the way that it's done. It's palatable. It's not like corny over the top. You're like, okay, this is too much. And even though the film only gets two and a half or three stars, I was really entertained by it. And I thought the acting was, was pretty good. So I enjoyed it. I saw that movie and I didn't have that response to it. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand uh, how you saw it differently. I I, I did not enjoy mm. the watch. Uh, I Nothing against the issues at play, obviously. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, you know, maybe it just didn't have the urgency I wanted to have. Or maybe I, w- I think I was expecting more vampire stuff. Maybe. Okay. I mean, because I mean, it was you know, pretty gory. Uh, yeah, gory for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I don't remember. It's really the reason why I didn't bring it to the show because yeah. I didn't really. Re- it, okay. It didn't really. Yeah, I dug it. Cool. Awesome. I'm caught up with the Ozark series. I watched season four of Ozark. I, I need I, that's on my list. Jason Bateman, Laura Linney, and uh, the girl I always forget her name because she's so good at every character that she plays that I forget her real name. Mm-hmm. She was on The Americans. Is it the daughter? Or? Yeah, I think it's the daughter, the blonde. Sophia H- Hublitz no. is the daughter. So. That's not who it is. Okay, cool. I have watched all the seasons of this show. This was season four. It's the end. Season four is the end. Julia Garner. Cool. What I will say about Ozark is that it's a great show. Also... It is not a show that most people, I don't think, can binge or get through very quickly or not be affected by. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the reason why it's been out a long time, this season four, I mean, it did come out in 2022, but it's already, you know, July or whatever. So I had to watch an episode like every couple of weeks. And then there were a couple of times there in the middle where I would get an episode that wasn't as difficult to watch and so I could watch a second one but basically what it is is that there's so much tension Mm -hmm. the whole story from beginning to end all the seasons obviously like I said you get a you get a couple episodes that don't make you want probably like the Americans yeah except I didn't find that one be as tense as this one oh honestly I like I haven't watched the Americans in a while but I have Mm -hmm. watched the whole series and I didn't watch it week to week or anything. So I didn't have to, hold I, the yeah, I, I binged that one as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, I, I could binge that one for several episodes mm-hmm. and then I'd have to take a break. This, this one, one is not so much literally not for me. It, it's, there's just so much tension okay. and in, at any given moment, everyone is a psychopath. So it's like, or a sociopath. Yeah. One or the other or both. So that it's a lot, it's a lot yeah. <laughs> to take in and they, and everybody is doing everybody dirty. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like that idea where hu- humanity, you know, it's just such it's just such the dark side of humanity. Mm-hmm. But then you also have characters you're rooting for, and then you're not sure if you should be rooting for them. And then you're like, okay, all these people are psychopaths, but I actually like that one, and I don't <laughs> like this one. You yeah. know, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Like, okay, let me just step back. They're all fucking crazy, but. And just the way it's shot and the tension and all that. Uh, really exceptional show. I know. It's it's on my list. Everyone's like, you haven't seen I'm like, no, it's on my list. Calm down. No, that's okay. I have yeah. tons of shows like that. That yeah. I mean, I haven't made it through Stranger Things yet. I've only watched three episodes. So Yeah, I'm only on four. Yeah, so there you go. Like, I'm not, I'm also not binging that as well. Mm-hmm. But not for the same reason. <laughs> I just, they, they shot a mini movie for every single episode this season. So mm-hmm. it's really like, okay, I watched Stranger Things yeah. today, the movie. Yeah, like I, I can wait for the yeah, next one. Yeah, I can see yeah. the next one. And I, maybe they maybe that's going to be the new wave of the future is they just make it so chock full of stuff, which I'm all about. That's Especially great. if it's that show. Because they they don't want you binging their content in, a, you know, in one day. They want you to Yeah, I, I appreciate it. that because I savor the heck out of it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So Cool. 
I, I just wanted to, before we go to horror facts, I just want to let you know that I started watching Kids in the Hall. You, you started talking about it. Like, you're right. I mean, you it, it? it's right where it left off. I it mean, is. there's just so ridiculous. <laughs> the office scene with the two women, Ugh, the older women. I can't. Oh my it's God. It's so great, you guys. If, especially if you watch the, the original. Nudity. There's so much nudity. Male I know. Nudity. Everybody's butt. And penis. Every boy's penis and butts. Like, well, not every, but there's a couple that are obviously not. It was fun. It's, don't have any problem with Well, and, and now that they're older, even more so, like, no pride. They give zero shits. It's I hilarious. I love it, though, because that's, that's the joy of a, know. a true comedian. Seriously. Is that there's no shame. That's right. Yeah. And I, I just love... I just love that. Uh, and that is what we kind of knew and know of Rebel Wilson as well. Yes. Is that, you know, overweight or not, overweight or thin, she doesn't have the shame. She's a comedian. She's, She's hilarious. She, she lets go of all of that. And so no matter the hot topic of her losing all that weight and all the discussions about it, and of course, now people are like, oh, the new movie's not funny because you're not fat. And I'm just like, you guys are such assholes. <laughs> yeah. Such assholes because honestly, she's fantastic. She's great. Way, honestly. So there you go. You want some answers? Do you want some answers? Oh, yeah. I guess I'm getting the answer. If you have them, you I'll have take them. the answers. I'm the one that has to guess. Number one. There are more than 12,000 species of ants, all being as old as dinosaurs. How much can one ant lift on its own? Well, it would be like exponentially their weight, probably. And I don't know how much an ant weighs, but I'm imagining 3,000 times their weight or something. 20 times its own body weight. Whoa. That's a lot for those little guys. Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. 20 times. Number two. I wonder how much that would be (laughs) if they weigh an ounce. Ants don't weigh an ounce, though. I'll look that up. Because it's like, then it would be like the size of large. I mean, you see ants in in images, right? Like carrying large twigs across the, but that's many ants together. So I imagine the load for one ant would be... I don't know, maybe a five path. to 10 milligrams. Okay. Depending because, on the species. Well, and that's why they're in colonies too. So they can move a lot of weight. Right. Together. Cause you know, you get a thousand ants or whatever. Like those army ants or whatever. That like, across they the literally come through. I know I've like seen videos military. of them like, like carrying oh whole animals gosh, off into the distance. It's really creepy. Carry honestly. me away. <laughs> in what Stephen King horror film, uh, what, what Stephen King felt, Stephen King horror film pays homage to his book It by showcasing a highway sign, Dairy, 20 miles. Uh, the Green Mile. Pet Cemetery, 2019. The new one. The new one. Which I enjoyed as I remember. I did too, yeah. It yeah. was good. Number three, it was more like the book. Number three, what do the zombies represent in Train to Busan? Uh, this one I know just because I, I think, I, well, I want to think that I know it. <laughs> Uh, the capitalism uh-huh. and uh, the flu, the yes. H1N1 you flu. You got it. Okay, yeah, yep. I knew South that Korean one. society based on global capitalism and H1N1 flu outbreak. Nice. I actually, I thought I might know that one. I try to throw some in that you know. Yeah, whatever. Number four, this 1981 horror film starring Jason Alexander and who launched and also launched the Weinstein brothers career. This movie is based on a campfire story. Tom Savini turned down Friday the 13th part two to work on this. Mm. Um. <laughs> it's, it's really has a cult following. I've seen it, but I only saw it because I watched. Is it like the burning? Yeah, or it's the oh. burning. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Good job. See, you know these. Well, I was just trying to think of movies that were around that time, but I didn't honestly know if Tom Savini was involved with that. Yeah, and then Jason Alexander was like his like first movie, I think. Oh, okay. Um, well before Seinfeld. I like him. Yeah, I do too. And he's good in it. Number five, how long do oxygen masks last on planes? I wish they lasted a long time, but I'm guessing they maybe last like 10 minutes or something. 15 minutes, which is why the airline claims they will bring the altitude down in 15 minutes where you can breathe normally. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was close. You were. I got a couple. 
Was that better? I made guesses. Yeah. Okay. And you did well. We whipped try. through them. We, I always try. When you really try. Oh, authentically. Okay. I really tried. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.